Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a new podcast series I'm putting out, the Opinion Release Papers. FCPA Opinion Releases are a very useful tool that is baked into the statute, the FCPA itself. You can ask questions to the Department of Justice that are fact-based scenarios about an action your company would like to engage in and get an opinion back. These provide a great source of information for the compliance practitioner, in addition to being useful to the companies that utilize them. Over this series, I'm going to visit opinion releases and mine those for the facts of the presented to the Department of Justice and what the resolution was. Today we consider Opinion Release 1401, and the question presented is, can you change a contract to benefit a private citizen who becomes a foreign official under the FCPA after that person becomes a foreign official? Opinion Release 1401. In this opinion release, the Department of Justice opined that paying a foreign government official for money he was owed in the sale of a business interest that he owned prior to becoming a foreign government official would not be prosecuted under the FCPA. As intuitive as this decision might sound, there is nevertheless significant information for the compliance practitioner to take away from this. The requester had purchased foreign company A in 2007 from the foreign shareholder when he was a private citizen. To guarantee the foreign shareholder's participation, the party's agreement contained a five-year lock-in period that prohibited the foreign shareholder from selling his interest prior to January 1, 2012. That agreement did, however, allow the foreign shareholder to leave the foreign company A before the end of the five-year period if he were appointed to a minister-level position or higher in the country's government. In 2011, the foreign shareholder became a foreign government official under the FCPA when he was appointed to serve as a high-level official at the Central Monetary Bank and Banking Agency of the country in question. The foreign agency is responsible for the bank and financial industry regulation and monetary policy in the unnamed country in question. Upon his appointment, the foreign shareholder ceased to have any role or function in foreign company A other than as a passive shareholder. The now foreign government official desired to sell his financial interest in the company. However, under the formulation for the repurchase of his interest, said interest was now at zero value, primarily due to the financial crisis of 2008-09. Apparently, the now foreign government official threatened to either sue or sell his interest to a third party, and the requester decidedly did not want either eventuality. The parties agreed to another form of valuation and sought approval from the Department of Justice through its opinion procedure, release procedure, regarding how to pay the now foreign government official under this evaluation. The foreign government instrumentality involved did not regulate the requester, nor had the regulator done business with said instrumentality in the past or going forward. The now foreign government official informed the Department of Justice that he had not in the past influenced or sought to influence any decision by the foreign agency, foreign country's government, or the third party, or any third party with respect to the entities in question, and would not do so in the future. Additionally, the requester provided separate internal communications to employees of the foreign entity in questions 
to that effect that their former owner was now a foreign government official and that he is prohibited from participating in any discussions, consideration or decisions or otherwise influencing decisions relating to the award of business to the entity in question. Additionally, there were three representations which I found significant. Number one, the requester obtained a representation from the now foreign government official that he had disclosed his ownership interest in the proposed sale shares in the entity in question to the relevant government authorities of the foreign country and the relevant department at the foreign agency. And the relevant government authorities had informed him uh, that they either approved or had no objection to the sale or of the shares. Two, the foreign shareholder had warranted in writing that any payment to purchase the shares would be made to him solely as consideration for the shares and not in his official capacity or in exchange for any present or expected future action. Three, the requester had received written assurance from the local council in the foreign country that the purchase of the shares was lawful in the foreign country. So what was the Department of Justice's analysis? In its analysis, the DOJ focused on several factors. Initially, the DOJ noted that the commercial relationship began far before the individual became a foreign government official. Further, even if the sales contract was not allowed because under it the foreign official would not have received fair value in the buyout, the requester presented legitimate business considerations prompted and justified the renegotiation of the buyout formula contained in the 2007 agreement. This justification, coupled with a new valuation set by a leading, highly regarded global accounting firm to determine the share's value and the apparent sharing of the entity's financial information with the Department of Justice. The DOJ noted the requester's decision to engage the firm to serve as the independent and binding arbiter of the value of the shares provides additional assurance that the payment reflects the fair market value of the shares rather than attempt to overpay the foreign shareholder for a corrupt purpose. Neither the requestor nor the foreign shareholder requested or obtained conditions or limitations on the value of the valuation formula prior to engaging the firm. And the valuation was carried out strictly in accordance with the terms of the agreement. There is no indication that either party requested a minimum or specific valuation from the firm or attempting to improperly influence the valuation. Equally importantly, was equally important was the transparency involved. There was an appropriate and meaningful disclosure of the parties' relationships. There was a disclosure by the government official to the government of the relationship and the pending sale. The relevant government authorities of the foreign country and the relevant department at the foreign agency and the relevant government authorities informed him that they did not, they either approved or did not object to the sales of the shares. Lastly, both the requestor and the foreign government involved had referred they would not assist the U.S. company in obtaining or retaining business on a go-forward basis. So what does this all mean? Well, I think from the compliance practitioner perspective, there are several key points to consider. The first and foremost is, or rather the first, is found in a footnote, and it reads, Following the requester's initial submission, the Department of Justice sent requestor a letter seeking additional information. <clears throat> on July 25, 2013, requester provided a partial response by letter on September 19 of the same year, which was which accompanied by significant backup documentation. Thereafter, the Department and Counsel for the requester had several follow-up discussions to clarify certain issues. On February 13, 2014, the requester provided a final submission that addressed the last outstanding issues raised by the Department. This is the first time that I recall seeing a timeline laid out in an opinion release. 
This gives the compliance practitioner some idea of the timeframes involved in the process. The second is the use of the reps and warranties by the parties. In Opinion Release 1301, which we'll discuss in a later podcast, a key component was an opinion from the chief legal office of the foreign official's country that the conduct in question would not violate the country's laws. However, in 1401, the DOJ accepted representations that the foreign official in question would not pass on business in which either he either had an interest or helped the relator to obtain or retain business with the agency at which the foreign official now worked. This type of evidence is something that would companies should now consider when designing protocols to satisfy issues similar to those presented in 1401. Next is the quality and quantity of the payments to be made to the now foreign official to cash him out and purchase his interest. Here, the parties agreed to an independent evaluation by an internationally recognized accounting firm. This provides some arm's length analysis. It also provides a market-based approach to the payment issue so that there is evidence of true or perhaps truer market value, not an arbitrary number agreed to by the parties. Finally, the parties seem to have documented everything. This clearly states to me the need for documentation, which can be reviewed and assessed by a regulator. As I often say, the three most important things in compliance are document, 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 and I think Opinion Release 1402 drives home that point. Finally, this Opinion release is very significant because it demonstrates several other factors. One is the business justification. That is obviously part of the documentation presented by the requester to the Department of Justice. Nevertheless, uh, the business justification is replendent throughout the compliance program requirements under the FCPA. You have to have a business justification for a third-party sales agent. You have to have a business justification for an exception to your policies and procedures. You have to have a, a business justification for an override of internal controls. And here you needed a business justification to show why a contract which would zero out payments to a now foreign government official needed to be changed to effectively grant them uh, some form of payout uh, in the changed contract. It also really sets out that the Department of Justice will work with you to seek additional information, and if you respond in a timely manner, that you can succeed where uh, in a difficult situation you may not have initially seen a clear uh, path to resolution. And finally, once again, as we have noted throughout this opinion release series, is the opportunity for creative lawyering. I found this to be a very creative approach to a very sticky wicket. And uh, that's one of the themes that we have seen throughout the opinion release uh, procedures and more that we will discuss throughout this series. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this opinion release papers episode, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode when we take a data mining into the opinion releases from the Department of Justice around the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. The Opinion Release Papers is a special presentation in the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.